Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Whole. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life all either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. Yay! Today we have with us my husband, Chaz Fossil. Chaz, welcome to the show. (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Well, Chaz and I are in the same home recording from different rooms, which is really funny. Well, first, Chaz, would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us a little bit about yourself since this is your first time on the show. Sure. Not much to talk about. I'm your (laughs) husband. I think that's what I'm best known for. No. So I went to medical school. They called me a doctor. That's pretty much my life outside of being home and handling kids and keeping Caroline in check. So (laughs) yeah, that's a tough job. Awesome. Well, I want to know how would you describe your personality? And how would you say you and I are similar or different? (laughs) So I'm certainly introverted, and generally a little bit more quiet when I talk and uh, (laughs) usually think about things before they come out of my mouth. Um, So I would say we're pretty complimentary in that that fact. Yeah. We uh, have very different personalities, pretty complimentary. You're certainly much more outgoing and louder and don't always (laughs) think about things before you say them. What? Not me. (laughs) Okay. And you're an Enneagram 9. And I'm an Enneagram 7, so the 9 is typically really steadfast, which is one thing I love about Chaz. The 7 is all things fun. And so, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that we are essentially opposite in every single way. I'm curious to know, do you feel like that's helpful? Do you feel like that makes it easier for us? Do you feel like that makes it more difficult for our relationship? As long as we're both kind of open-minded, I feel like it usually makes things easier just Mm -hmm. because we're coming at problems and life's tasks and you name it with fully different perspectives and different desires and ideas. And so usually everything averages out somewhere in the middle, which is good because if you were just like me, we'd be super duper boring. And <laughs> if we were both just like you, then oh, nobody would No one would to want to hang us. out with us. Yeah. Like we'd be way too much. That's so funny. And I totally agree. I feel like your perspective on things, you're so good at processes and systemically looking at things and being able to change things. And I'm such a dreamer. Like I am so future oriented, always thinking about the next trip and the next fun thing that we're going to do. But you're good at helping us. Like we've been trying to practice a Sabbath more recently, and I feel like that's just your jam. (laughs) Like you're good at hanging out and keeping me stable (laughs) and like at home. And so, yeah, we're very different. And 
it's funny because I feel like if you had asked me like early college, what are you attracted to? I don't think it would have been the opposite of me. Like I was attracted to a lot of like really loud, really in your face kind of guys. And I think that it I think that it worked out that that we ended up together for sure. Well, can you tell us or maybe we can both tell the story of how we met? Sure. Typically you take over two or three sentences. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how long. Telling, so yeah. We'll see how long I make it. <laughs> so the first time we met, I was coming to Nashville to go to a camp and work as a counselor with some friends who happened to be living in Nashville that summer, working with an organization there called Friend Life. And they invited me along. So the first time I was in Nashville, really the first night I was in Nashville, we met because Tim said about an hour after I got there, hey, we should go get dinner. We should go with my friend Caroline. She's great. You'll love her. And so we all got dinner. You and Yeah. Not a setup uh, for sure. Not, not a setup. Yeah. Not at all. And Tim and Derek and myself we went Sacco in yeah. uh, Nashville across from Vandy yep. and got tacos. I probably got a taco because, you know, that's about <laughs> You're so what's cheap. in line with my budget, <laughs> generally. Um, but uh, we got tacos and I was kicking Tim under the table and sending him text messages like, hey, you sure seem like you've got a crush on this girl. Are you trying to date her or whatever you want to call it? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Which he There's, was like, no, absolutely yeah, no. not. And it's funny because I thought at that time I met Chaz and I seriously was like, he is the most attractive man I've ever seen, but he knows it. And he didn't really pay much attention to me at all, like at all. And I think that it was this like humility, like trying to not step on Tim's toes because he thought Tim had a crush on me, which Tim and I were completely just friends. And so it was funny because I left being like, well, I don't really want to have much to do with that guy. Like I kind of thought Chaz was a jerk because he wasn't really talking to me. So that was my first impression. <laughs> yeah. And I had just gotten in town to hang yeah, out with exactly. friends and had, yeah. you know, had no expectation of meeting you that day. So. Right, exactly. So then we, of course, that was the first time we met. Mm-hmm. And then we re-met, what, three months later at a friend's housewarming party yeah. in Athens. to start the like kind of a semester kickoff situation. We both went to the University of Georgia. Go dogs. Yep. Right. <laughs> I had just been playing frisbee, so I was sweaty and nasty and smelly. And you <laughs> had done just the opposite. You had come all dressed up to make another guy jealous, basically. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we were in the middle of a room full of what five or six other people, just like, how do I know you? I don't Yeah, I don't like we you. knew what we had name? met. Where are you from? Yeah. And this is like another example of how we are so opposite because we seriously stood in the middle of this room and it was like, are you like an art major? And he's like, no, I'm a science major. He's like, do you do Young Life? I'm like, no, I do Wesley. He's like, do you do this, that? And every single thing that we did was opposite, like absolutely every single thing. So then finally, Chaz is like, oh my gosh, we went to dinner in Nashville this summer. And the funniest part was by this point, everyone in the room was kind of like looking at us and like trying to like, is it this? Is it this? Like giving input and stuff. So then when he said that, everyone was like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, how is that true? So anyway, so that was like our reconnection. And I definitely 
got a better vibe this time. <laughs> I walked away thinking we talked for a long time and I remember just thinking that is a really great guy and I don't think he knows how cute he is. <laughs> so that's how we met. And then he sent me a Facebook message a week later, back in the day when we, right. when you had a Facebook. When, when Caroline was updating her Facebook status with her like flip phone. <laughs> Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> yeah, so I posted some status about being stuck on this like really packed bus. And then I had an iPod. So like all the funny things and that cake song, he's going the distance da -da -da, came on my headphones. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I'm stuck on this bus. I'm like ready to run a half marathon and I'm stuck on this bus. So anyway, Chaz used that weird status update as an opportunity to send me a message and the rest is history. Here we are. Okay, cool. Well, I want to know the when, how, why of becoming a doctor. When did you know you wanted to become a doctor and how did you decide on that profession? Yeah, so one of the ways Caroline and I are totally opposite is that I'm hyper logical to a fault most of the time. <laughs> and I remember being in 10th grade, I'd always done pretty well in school and that came easily, but I didn't go to like a hard school. So that wasn't really all that surprising. <laughs> I remember being in my anatomy class and thinking, you know what, the human body is really interesting and it can do some cool stuff. And being a doctor would be cool. I don't know any doctors. I've never met a doctor right. before besides my pediatrician <laughs> sure. maybe 10 years before. But I thought it would be a good job, a steady job, stable, and be able right. to have good job security. And this was me as a 10th grader. Y'all, in 10th grade. So he's like, you're like 16, yeah. 15, uh, yeah, 15, 15. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't have all these examples of like, oh, my friend Kevin's dad is a doctor or mom is a doctor. Like you didn't have all these examples, but you just thought you would enjoy it and you wanted to have a lot of financial security, which is a theme in your life. And so you yeah. just you just kind of decided. Yeah. And went to college pre-med and stayed pre-med the whole time as a biology major the whole time. And yeah. Got into med school, thankfully, my first try. and Yeah. And you never hesitated. You never changed your major. You no. just went straight through. <laughs> no. I mean, um, yeah, you would say you never changed your major either. Yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah. Even though, yeah, I feel like your personality would be much more prone to that. But Yeah, you would think you that I would have just bounced around. I know. I have this weird driven side of me. I mean, you remember in college, Chaz. So to be clear, we started dating my sophomore year of college and Chaz is two school years ahead of me. So he was a senior when I was a sophomore. So we had one year together that we were both at UGA. So the funny thing is, I mean, you remember Chaz, I got a graphic design degree in the art school. I got an advertising degree and also a Spanish minor. And like the only spreadsheet I've ever used in my entire life, I hate them so much, was my spreadsheet with all of my college courses. And I had like Spanish was red and graphic design was mint blue. And like I had all the color coding. And I think I just like I knew that I had to finish. I was packing so much into those four years. Like I don't even think it really occurred to me to switch because I mean, number one, I think everything I did was such a good fit. 
And number two, I had everything <laughs> mapped out so meticulously. It was like, if I switch, I'm screwed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but that's true. We both didn't switch, which is crazy. So describe to us real quick, Chaz is a physical medicine and rehabilitation doctor, which I've had like two people in my entire life be like, oh yeah, totally. One of which was my friend from high school's mom, who's a physician at Vandy. So, you know, if you're a doctor, you know what it is. Most other people don't. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so PM&R for short, and yeah. basically there's two sides to it. I tell people it's kind of like OB and GYN, where those are two very hmm. different things. Yeah. The physical medicine side is being in the clinic, dealing with usually like sports medicine type injuries or pain mm -hmm. management, doing injections, which is the side that I kind of took to uh, more strongly. And then the other side is the rehab side. And most of that is, I guess, classically would be somebody with like a spinal cord injury or brain injury mm -hmm. or stroke who needs to go to a rehab hospital to get stronger and learn how to kind of manage their current disability while they're healing. We also see a lot of people right now who have been in ICU with COVID and um, a lot of other folks who have had complicated surgeries or been stuck in a hospital for months that basically right. they're not sick enough to stay in the hospital but they're right. certainly not healthy enough to go home. And so they kind of need a step in between. And we fill yeah. that, that role. Yeah, totally. Well, and it's funny because you chose physical medicine and rehabilitation. You know, obviously I was there and I remember that, but I don't even think that you really saw the future and you didn't go into PM&R like for regenerative medicine or for some of these things that you ended up doing. Why did you choose PM&R in the first place? Actually, it was, I'd always thought that the spinal cord injury population was just really interesting. Mm, They're right. typically younger as people who've had traumatic spinal cord injuries are typically younger and healthier mm -hmm. than say a lot of the people who are stuck in the medical system for other reasons. And so they tend to be very active and want to play basketball and play sports and tennis and mm. get up, you know, they don't want to be considered an invalid or somebody that's stuck in bed all day or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's actually what interested me initially. Unfortunately, when I did my spinal cord injury rotation, I realized it was mostly just internal medicine right. type stuff, which for I those just, patients, I yeah. enjoy for a little bit, but I get a little bit bored with as well. So sure. it just wasn't a good fit. Um, the regenerative medicine piece came during residency. I got exposed to it at Emory. Mm -hmm. And had a couple friends who went and did the fellowship that I ended up doing out here in Colorado and talking to them about it. And, and that was, that was kind of what drove me that direction. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if you weren't a doctor, which I know this is hard to think about, but what do you think you would be doing right now for a job? So I'd not like, be like a part-time Starbucks barista. No. Okay. No, no. <laughs> I okay, I'm not talking like when you retire, what second career do you want to have? I'm talking like you never decided you wanted to be a doctor. What would be your backup choice? Probably just because my interest in personal finance, something in that realm, whether it would be like a accountant, I feel like it could be a good fit. Yeah. Or some sort of financial kind of consulting situation or even what one of our friends does is an actuary for a, uh, a company that helps big medical systems basically find efficiencies. That would be so yeah, that would really you would be so good at that. Well. I feel like your like hospital experience and your love of finance in general, I feel like 
Yeah, you'd knock that out of the park. Okay, well, one of the things that I feel like overlaps in our two fields is inflammation. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about just inflammation, how it affects the body, and especially in regards to pain, because you see that so much. Yeah, talk to us about inflammation. Sure. So I, I'm not going to come at it from like a systemic inflammatory process or autoimmune disease or anything like that. Just mm. at a more simplified view, inflammation is basically where your blood vessels leak inflammatory molecules, which is usually a lot of like immune cell type stuff into an area that's been damaged or is having pain and pretty much all musculoskeletal pain, which is a lot of what I deal with. So mm -hmm. pain in muscles, pain in bones, joints, tendons, ligaments is from inflammation. It's not typically the tear that hurts in your rotator cuff. It's actually the inflammation that builds up because of the tear. Huh. Um, and so a lot of the injections I do in the rehab hospital and in the clinic are really geared towards stopping that inflammatory process hmm. and somewhat as well with the regenerative medicine geared towards kind of healing or stopping this inflammatory cycle of different proteins that cause more breakdown, that cause the pain signals to be kind of originated and sent. So that's how inflammation is a big part of kind of what I do and what I'm dealing with. Yeah. And I mean, I talk a lot about the paleo diet and eating in a low inflammatory style. And, you know, we've seen that that decreases systemic inflammation. Does that also help with acute inflammation if you have some kind of pain and some kind of appendage somewhere? Does it help with that acute inflammation as well? Well, there's two sides to acute inflammation. Acute inflammation is also a good thing because that is essentially step one in your body's process to heal something. Um, sure. So you really, you don't necessarily want to blunt the acute inflammatory process. Mm. It hurts, but it's also part of the reason you're getting better. So right. I don't, I usually don't tell people to load up on non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen, mm. Motrin, Aleve, because you're slowing down your body's healing ability. Huh, that, right. that being said, I, I don't think that the paleo diet or AIP or low inflammatory diet changes that acute inflammatory process because the new or the acute inflammatory process is totally different than the chronic inflammatory process. Mm. Uh, the proteins that are in that super milieu, we call it, are <laughs> yeah. totally different than what's in the chronic inflammatory process. I do think it has a positive effect on the chronic inflammatory process, which tends to cause more breakdown, tends to cause more pain. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of part of this cycle of causing more chronic inflammation, that kind of profile of proteins or whatever in that area. But in the acute side, a healthy body is going to have that reaction one way or another. Yeah. So from like the systemic side, is there anything in addition to diet that you recommend to lower inflammation? I mean, there's good evidence for regular cardiovascular exercise, especially mm -hmm. in things like fibromyalgia. Um, there's mm -hmm. good evidence mm -hmm. for, I don't know, would necessarily call it mindfulness, though I'm sure it's kind of on that scale, but yeah. uh, psychotherapy or mindfulness or just, you know, kind of taking care of your brain and taking care of your emotions, staying away from chronic stress right? and decreasing those opportunities to have chronic stress. So those are the things that I 
help people that I feel like are dealing with more just kind of chronic inflammation. And I think mm-hmm. um, what also we'll talk to some of my patients about is your kind of baseline level of inflammation and how easy it is to tip from your your baseline level, which may be higher if you're more stressed or maybe your diet is kind of more inflammatory. And so it just doesn't take very much to tip you above this threshold because the threshold may be very close to your baseline level of inflammation. Whereas if you are taking care of your brain, you're taking care of your body, Mm. your diet, et cetera, you're going to be much further away from that threshold. So the same stimulus or the same bump on your arm Mm. or whatever is not going to get you to that threshold of pain quite as easily. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, that's interesting. And do you still recommend turmeric and with curcumin? Do you still feel like that is helpful? Yeah, I think there's some interesting research there as far as anti-cancer properties in addition to anti-inflammatory. I don't think the research is perfect. There's really no magic pill on anything, but I feel like it's a good alternative for something like an ibuprofen or an Aleve if that was what you were going to reach for otherwise. Sure. Well, cool. So part of the reason that we are recording this podcast is because we're around the Valentine's Day mark. And also we are about to celebrate 10 years of marriage. I know. I was thinking this is our 10th Valentine's Day as a married couple. That's so fun. That makes me so happy. So we have some questions from some listeners. And so Nubuya asked us, what is your trick to 10 years of marriage? (laughs) Do you have? (laughs) The funny thing is, I feel like everybody always wants, or like I do this too, like what's the one thing? But what do you feel like are some of the things that have helped us to have a successful marriage so far? I mean, they're they're pretty much all cliche, but um, they work (laughs) anyway, so... They're there for a reason, but no, I feel like we've just always been really good friends, even though we didn't have a deep friendship before we started dating. We've always just yeah. enjoyed being around each other and we've always looked out for one another and, and cared deeply about each other's success. And mm-hmm. um, I would say certainly between the two of us, you've sacrificed a lot more than I have as far as, as that goes, but I certainly have tried my best to support you every yeah. step along the way. And I think that just that baseline level, when we do get mad and want to blow up at each other. <laughs> Again, we just kind of start at a little bit further away from that threshold of, of yeah. uh, it becoming any, any big deal. And another thing, uh, again, maybe a little cliche is just like not, not going to bed mad at each other. Yes. Um, I was going to say that one. We deal with everything pretty much right away. Um, and you're better yeah. at that than I am, but I've learned to, I mostly because I process, I just don't process emotions very well. <laughs> which isn't all that surprising, but I feel like that allows for us to miss those chances where something can really snowball without even Mm -hmm. knowing it. You know, you don't, you don't want to get into a yelling match two weeks later. Right. You've been stewing on something and the other person has no idea what's going on. Yeah. And I, I want to tell a story about that. So when we first started dating, I couldn't tell you for the life of me, like what the situation was, but we were together over the weekend and Chaz did something and I was so mad the entire weekend. And we ended up finally talking about it, like on a Sunday, let's say. And it was a misunderstanding. So I thought he said and meant one thing. He totally didn't. He meant something else. It wasn't a big deal at all. And right at that moment, Chaz said, 
okay, we can't do that. Like we have to tell each other immediately when something bothers us. So why don't we try that? Why don't we have like a 24 hour rule where you have 24 hours to bring something up or you can never bring it up again. And it wasn't like that legalistic, like you're screwed and (laughs) you can never talk about it ever again. But it just created this culture in our relationship from the very beginning that I know that everything's fine. Like unless Chaz brings something up to me, I know that at the baseline, everything's fine. And that I seriously think that's if I had to choose one thing, I feel like the don't go to bed angry is probably my biggest tip. Like I really feel like it creates this culture within our relationship of just openness and honesty. And yeah, I just feel like it's great. (laughs) So that's my biggest thing. Do you have any more to add or is that it? Those are the ones that come to mind right away. Totally. Okay. So Eleanor asks, and this one cracks me up. Okay. So becoming a doctor, has he taken anything he's learned from you into his career? (laughs) This reminded me, Chaz, of when Ella was like two and barely talking, like I'm over here with essential oils and like healing remedies and all these things. And Ella would go, daddy docker, mommy docker. And it's like, uh, not quite. (laughs) Totally the same. Yeah. So not at all the same. But yeah, I'd be curious. Do you feel like you've taken anything that you've learned from me into your career? Well, I I would say not on like a regular basis. Am I really even discussing or talking to people about their diet and lifestyle just because there tend to be in my line of work more pertinent things to get to? Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe if I were a naturopath or maybe if I were like a family practitioner, that would be something that would come up more often if I had patients for longer Mm -hmm. term. But for the most part, my patients are seeing me for one specific thing and we're dealing with that. Right. Yeah, totally. I will say that on the occasion that I do have somebody that asks, I get to recommend your website and I get to (laughs) um, tell them about the paleo diet or if they have questions. I usually, I'm sure I have more information because of you than I would have Mm. if I were single and eating rice and beans every day, which (laughs) Which he did guys. He did be doing that. (laughs) Yeah. So Nubuya had another question and she wanted to know what is your favorite meal? So I think she means what's your favorite all of you whole meal, (laughs) (laughs) either from the blog or the cookbook. I think I know the answer, but I want to know it. I I want to know what you have to say. The one that comes to mind immediately is the pork shoulder recipe. So good. Carnitas. Wait, do you? Oh, carnitas. Mm. Oh, I thought I thought your favorite recipe was from the cookbook, the um, mustard pork tenderloin. Oh, yeah. From the cookbook. Sure. Yeah. 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 Is that, that is your favorite? favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that one has like olive oil and mustard and rosemary and whole garlic cloves. And it's so good. And when I made it for you, when we were writing the cookbook, you said this is the best thing that you've ever made. But yeah, carnitas. And I mean, we make carnitas all the time, all the time. So at the end of every single podcast interview that I have, I ask everybody two questions. So I'm going to ask them of you too. So at the end of your life, which that like makes me tear up asking you, (laughs) but at the end of your life, when you're looking back, what will a successful life look like to you? When I'm 89.6 years old. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you guys, I just read the Blue Zones book and it's so good. And we both just did these quizzes last night that like told us how long we were going to live. Okay, so at 89.4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You can't wait till 89.6. 89.4. Um, I think the, the thing that will mark success for me will be relationships really at that point. I think currently I worry more about you know, providing for our family and financial stability and that kind of stuff. But really when it comes down to it, I think the thing that's going to have, you know, lasting worth in, in our lives is going to be the relationships we have with each other and our kids and hopefully grandkids and maybe even great grandkids. Great grandkids. <laughs> um, and of course, neighbors and the people that we hold so, so dear in our life now. Mm. I think just having strong relationships and having people we can count on and people we're in deep community with will be a marker of success for me. Mm, I love that. And secondly, which this is a two-parter. So what is something in your life you feel like you've been specifically intentional about? And what is something you'd like to be more intentional about? Mm. Well, recently we've been intentional about waking up early and starting our morning with quiet times and mm -hmm. solitude and more recently prayer. And so I, I think that's all kind of part of this John Mark Comer walk we've been on that I'm sure you've told people about uh, <laughs> even in these first few episodes already. Yeah. Um, so I would just say, I think practicing the way of Jesus and the intentionality that we can add in our lives around that will be the thing that I'm working on being more intentional with right now. Yeah, definitely. I can't remember if I've mentioned it yet. So Chaz brought to me this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry over, what was it, babe? Like a year and a half ago now, probably like uh, November of 2020. Year and four months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he read it and he brought it to me and he's like, I feel like you should read this. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to read that. <laughs> and then he's like, I feel like I'm trying to lead you spiritually and you're not letting me. So I'm like, oh, fine, I'll read it. So I read it. it this was like a month later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I read it and it changed my life. And now we are doing his, I want to say it's like a two year study called practicing the way. So we're doing that with our best friends and neighbors and our small group at church actually now. And so, yeah, it's been really, really impactful. And so we've studied silence and solitude, Sabbath, and we're starting prayer now. So yeah, I love that answer. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure this will be a super popular episode and you know, the listeners will just be clamoring to have you back. Thank you for taking time to be with me. <laughs> See you All soon. Right. Love you. <laughs> Love you. Bye.